Welcome, my friends, to Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about the peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up from them. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, and by the end of the show, we're going to find our sweet spot. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, and how are you doing? want to welcome you to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today's guest is one of the coolest guys you're going to ever meet. He's the surfing samurai. His name's Dylan, and I'd love to introduce him. How are you doing today, Dylan? Thanks for having me on, Dave. All right. Doing pretty good. Awesome. Well, let's also just say uh, straight off the bat, not only does he surf, but he, he grew up with cerebral palsy. So I want everybody just to pause for a second uh, on that because I, I don't know if you're familiar how difficult it is. And we'll hear from Dylan exactly how difficult things have been and how he got to do surfing and surfing on a very high level also. Let's be really honest. It's not just getting on a surfboard. So Dylan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story if you, if you don't mind? So if you guys don't know, cerebral palsy is a neurological condition, which in my case... Luckily, cognitively, I have no issues, but it affects the use of all four of your limbs and can make things such as fine motor skills a little more complicated, which you would think you need pretty good fine motor skills to succeed athletically and things like that. But I've been an athlete my whole life and just... Sports in general have been the equalizer for me in terms of interactions with people and just how I've kind of overcome the struggles of daily life. Yeah, and I, and I know some of what you've gone through, not exactly. Uh, I know when I was a camp counselor, uh, I became a big brother. A camp counselor, the, uh, a child with cerebral palsy had come to camp and he had challenges. He he wasn't swinging the baseball bat like some of the other boys. They were young kids, and we eventually came. Uh, well, at this point, it's it's a, it's a lifetime ago uh, because he was seven when I met him, and now he's he's in his forties. Uh, my friend Eric and we we've done a whole bunch of things, including when we would go on trips. He couldn't walk as much, and uh, I had to carry him. So I, I you know I I understand the challenges. Uh, watching him grow up and, and do that. How did you start, as you said, you're an athlete. How did you start coming through with your fighting your challenges? So for me, I always gravitated towards sports. And I have an older brother who's able-bodied. And my parents are also athletes. So I kind of always gravitated towards sports. And I was never told, we don't think you could do this or that. It was always, if there's something that you want to do, we're going to figure out how to do it, even if we have to go about it a roundabout way. So I didn't really realize that I was that much different from everybody else. This may sound crazy until like after high school. Sure, uh, because uh, as the controlled environment of education had you right. that way. But you always, it sounds like you you and your parents, your family, very supportive family, 
always looked at not the challenge you were facing, but how to overcome or to work with the, the, the challenges that you, you had experienced to overcome them. Exactly. Um, that's kind of how you have to approach things to also stay positive about things because there's days where I wake up and certain things aren't as easy as the day before. Just I may have slept the wrong way and then my body reacts differently and you just have to fight through it and realize how lucky you are to just have another day on earth. Yeah, we should all be grateful of, of what we have and, you know, uh, every day above ground is, is, is a good day. And what made you think of surfing? So, we, you know, you're the surfing samurai. Uh, how did that nickname come up? I was always more comfortable in water because you're more in control of your body and, like, there's no fighting gravity or anything in water. So I was able to control my limbs better and I could actually – swim and stuff before I could sit up myself when I was a younger kid and surfing came up as a result of it was always something that I wanted to do I was just always busy with other sports and we weren't sure how to go about it and then one day about 11 years ago now my mom was searching on the internet for adaptive surfing and the dates just happened to line up where I had some free time that didn't interfere with anything. And I can honestly tell you from that day forward, my entire life changed because you completely forget about everything else that you deal with when you're out in the water. Like there's the power of the ocean. There's nothing else like it that gives you that sensation and that it's like an out of body experience. I try to tell people, so it's it's special. Yeah, uh, well, I I don't know how it is to surf. I've tried it a couple of times and failed miserably. Um, but definitely not easy. No, it, it's not. It, it it really is moving, knowing your body, the the environment, and, and working with it together. And luckily, through that first time surfing and lots of other interactions that happened, I ended up coming, becoming close friends with Cliff and Will Scootin, that are the co-founders of Surfer All and they're pro big wave surfers from New York State. So having that coaching from elite athletes that Normally, people aren't lucky enough to come across a support system like that. That helped, like, elevate my in-the-water skills and just mentally give you the confidence of, okay, I can do this. Yeah, finding the right mentors and coaches is always the most important part. And you never know where any of that's going to lead, that that chance to story where you where you and your mom found out that you had a little time to try this has, has led you to uh, worldwide fame in, in some ways. And it's never really registered with me that 
just because I like to surf and this is something that I like to do, I never saw myself being in the position that, that I'm currently in, like you spoke about, where there's professional surfers and just people all across the world that are aware of me just because this is something that I like to do. And through social media and things like that, my story's gotten out there to all these different people and led to a lot of different cool interactions and experiences. Well, what's been one of the? I know you 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 competed uh, with uh, for the U.S. in, in the in the adaptive. Uh, so mm-hmm. the the coolest thing for me, and I, I don't know how familiar your listeners are going to be with this, but Kelly Slater, who's an eleven-time world champion, and he, he actually just recently won a contest a few weeks shy of his fiftieth birthday at Pipeline in Hawaii. With, one of the most dangerous waves in the world he built a wave pool basically it's on an indian reservation in northern california that's seven football fields long and it produces a perfect wave every single time and there's now contests held there and things like that but there's professional surfers that haven't even been there through meeting a friend of his a few weeks later, a few years ago, I was sent on a trip there and had the pool to myself with a bunch of my friends and just, it's like going to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory (laughs) of surfing. So that's like the coolest experience for myself that I've had just because somebody saw me surf a wave and they were so mesmerized by what they saw and they knew that, that this was something that I might be interested in doing as a surf trip and they helped make it happen and it's something that I'll never forget as long as I live and I mean there's instances of that day that play in my mind over and over again as if it was like a home run replay the same type of like exhilaration and feeling just from talking about that day you could see how excited I am and how meaningful it was to have that experience yeah it's amazing how an energy we have as stored inside of our body and the memories that we're able to do it. And I'm sure right now you could still picture that day, the, the, the sun, the smells and everything like that. Yeah, of course. Well, but also I guess making the right connections again, we'll go back to right, making the right connections. And one of the great connections that you make, I know you do a bunch of charity work. So it's not like you just sit home. Uh, you know, I know, you know, it, it's difficult, but you work with charities. You work with the, uh, we, the 15, could you explain that a little bit? So the We The 15 campaign was something that I work with over the summer. It was Facebook Watch partnered with the International Paralympic Committee, and they produced four short films about adaptive athletes across the world. And the person that happened to get the contract for the U.S. film just happens to be a professional surfer from montauk mikey de temple 
who I know. And basically, as soon as he got the contract, he said, I know who I need to do this on, and I got to be a representative of the United States. That's so, cr- like, things like that are things that I never thought I would be in the position to say, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I represented my country, even though it's only on a short film of three minutes long, I'm the only person in the world through this campaign that could say, like, I represented the United States. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's not just, you know, give yourself credit in that, you know, I know we always... Minimum that it's just incredible, and then you're you're working with people to try to, you know, end discrimination with people with disabilities. You know, because there's a lot of stigma related to that. The whole goal of that campaign was obviously we the fifteen fifteen percent of the world has a physical disability, and it was to showcase what adaptive athletes are capable of ahead of, at that point, it was the Summer Paralympic Games, they launched these films right before the opening ceremonies. So, like, that was cool to be a part of, too, because for adaptive sports, the Paralympics are the pinnacle. And although I wasn't there competing in these games, surfing isn't included yet. Hopefully, in 2028, it's on track to be that was if you can't dream to play in any of the professional sports leagues as an able-bodied person like the Paralympics are right on that level just so that everyone listening understands like this is the absolute pinnacle of adaptive athletics so anything associated with that is incredible to be a part of yeah no it's an incredible uh, achievement to be part of the olympics and and, you know the paralympics is the same thing as the olympics it's you know maybe not all the same events but uh, as you said so when do they make have they made that decision that surfing might be part of i guess the summer olympics (laughs) right now it's on track for 2028 and like you said i i had competed prior to covid in the u.s adaptive world championships and i i made it to the semifinals so the goal is to one day qualify to be on the u.s adaptive surfing team and represent the country in the paralympics and i wouldn't be able to do that without the support system that i have and just it's i can't even fully put into words how much surfing and all these different things has helped my outlook it and to be able to share that with other people through the different things at surf for all we we do the daily outings and stuff like that that's what makes those interactions so special is being able to get other family members whether it's the athlete themselves or parents who come down and you know they hear surfing and they get a little skittish and my role at surf role as athlete ambassador 
So basically, all I'm doing is I'm almost like a cheerleader and you're trying to get everybody comfortable and understand what's going to happen. And hearing it from me is different from hearing it from an able-bodied person that says, oh, yeah, surfing's great. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. You're going to have a good day on the beach. Yeah, it's important. And I want everybody to, to uh, you had mentioned Surf for All, which is in Long Beach here on Long Island. And it's an organization that helps uh, people with disabilities. Uh, to, it's not to... only people with disabilities, too. Oh. I want to make that clear. It's people with, it could be like we've had women who ran away from a Orthodox home of Hasidic Jewish mm-hmm. background. You have kids from the Martin Luther King Center in Long Beach that's obviously socioeconomic, low income and stuff like that. Kids come try surfing for the first time that they wouldn't normally be exposed to and just getting anyone of any walk of life involved in the sport of surfing and to be able to share the gifts that the ocean has with each other. That's what surf for all is all about. That sounds awesome. I I, I wasn't sure that it went that deep. That's awesome that it, it, it has a social justice as well, uh, yeah. which is, which is huge. And I think it's pretty unique in that it encompasses everything rather than I've been in certain circumstances where there's different nonprofits and they're kind of pigeonholed to one category. Mm-hmm. And then when, cause there's been different scenarios where I've been invited to, cause there's all different types of surf therapy programs and people all across the country and the world are aware of my story now at this point in the surfing community. But when they realize maybe that I'm not a spinal cord injury or something like that, it doesn't necessarily fit the criteria that is normally associated with their organization. And there's almost, I don't want to say that it's discrimination, but I'm kind of looked at funny if you don't fit the criteria that's normally associated with the organization. So what's cool about Surfer All is that it doesn't matter. It's all-encompassing, and everyone is welcome, and all we want to do is for everyone to have fun surfing, and that's what it should be about. We'll be back in a moment. This is John and Mark Cronin from John's Crazy Socks. And we're interrupting to say we hope you're enjoying this episode. But please make sure to check out our show, The Spreading Happiness Podcast, another great show produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes are available every week 
on all your favorite podcast platforms. Join us on our new podcast as we continue our mission, Spreading Happiness. Thank you, folks. You're listening to Peace, Love, and Bring It Back with me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky. Now, now, is Surf for All a, a 501c3? Yep. All right, well, then you and I have to talk about it afterwards. Because you, one of the things that I'm passionate about, uh, as you might know from Dr. Lee, is I'm passionate about charities. And uh, I'm, I'm working on this organization called Goons for Good. Uh, that's why I called you a goon for good uh, is... It's a bunch of people. We know each other, right? We, we, we know how to make those connections. And, and yep. look at all the connections you've made. Uh, so this is definitely an organization. I'm gonna... I, I, I don't even know if you know what my connection with Dr. Lee is. So Dr. Lee's brother, LJ, had a spinal tumor. And at the point where I met him, he was using a wheelchair. But that wasn't always the case. He was born able body with no issues up until that point. I played sled hockey, which is adaptive ice hockey, with her brother LJ, who's significantly older than myself, but it was someone that I could look up to in a similar situation as myself, whereas I couldn't really picture myself with the athletes that I watched on TV and the people that I always played sports with, for the most part, there's no like age limit or anything because mm-hmm. you, you basically get what you get. There's a small percentage of people in the area that you have where there's physical disability or things like that. So whoever can play is going to play no matter what the age is. It was someone that I could look up to and see myself in the future because he's older. He's successful in his job. He's highly educated. So it was a role model for myself. And I met Dr. Lee when I was about 12, 13 years old, and her and her family are like family to me. She's obviously, as you know, very supportive of myself and Surfer All, and it's things like that that make me so blessed to encounter the people that I do. Yeah, it's all about the people you surround yourself with. And, you know, when you find people like, like Dr. Lee and uh, the Phoenix Eastern Medicine Center, we'll, we'll give them a little plug. Um, you know, it, it really makes a, a big deal in, in people's lives. I'm, especially with her, too. Obviously, there's a lot of physical things that I face on a, a day-to-day basis. And she does special treatments tailored towards my different ailments and things like that, but also tailored to making sure that I can still surf at a high level. It's not just, okay, Dylan has a cough today, like we have to get rid of it. She's making sure my hips are loose, my shoulders are loose, and the movement's 
that I need when I surf, it's gonna be less strenuous on myself after the fact, and I'm able to reco recover quicker. This way I can surf and stuff as much as possible. So having the right therapist and all things like that is also vital to physical and mental health because all of this stuff helps my mental health as well. Yeah, so obviously being out on the the water, you, you had said it, it feels like, you know, the, the right place, you're, you're at one. What are some of the other things you might do to help your mental health? For me, I like to write a lot. So that's always been a way for me to express myself, whether it's to myself or sometimes I'm pretty private with a lot of things. So I do have almost like a journal on my computer where I store certain thoughts, but there's been certain times where certain things have happened in my life and I've felt the need to express them on social media and things like that. That's usually not my way of going about things, but I've done it at certain points just because I know there's not to say that I have a, of like some sort of crazy following, but there's plenty of people out there that follow me that they're either diagnosed with a disability themselves or they know someone who is that maybe what I'm saying can help them in the future. So there's been certain times where I've expressed certain thoughts and it wasn't something that I was necessarily completely comfortable with at the time. And then I got a reaction from someone and it was like, okay, this is worth it because I helped one person. Yeah, that, that's the power of, of, you know, telling your story and being brave enough to, to do all, take on these challenges because it's those one person who might not have ever heard of, of any of the things that you're doing that you're motivating. And that, that's a huge impact, and, and, and I really honor you for that. I appreciate the kind words. And just even with my social media presence at this point, like if you guys go check me out on Instagram, my Instagram is the surfing samurai. It's never something that I thought I would have any type of platform or anything like that. That's the, the term that, that people use, but in a sense I do. And you don't realize how powerful that is until you put something out there and you get the feedback and then it ends up in a publication or something like that and reaches more people to make even more of a difference. So, like I said, for, for me, it's always been that writing has been a form of therapy for myself. And it's something that I'm going to continue to use to my advantage. Yeah, well, I'm sure all the stories that you have, uh, I mean, even the, the, the surfing with 
Kelly Slater. Now, did you surf with him? I know you said you were at his pool. Uh, he wasn't able to be there. I, I was just lucky enough to be be there, be able to use the facility, which is not something that the majority of people can say. And it's a memory that even though he wasn't there and that would have been the icing on the cake, it's a memory that's like one in a million. Well, you haven't met him yet. That, that's how I look at it. Yes. Is, yeah. uh, there's still that, that opportunity for both of you guys to connect. Now, so you're, you're, you're a young man. I mean, uh, you know, what, what, and, and you obviously are, are goal, you know, one of your goals is to be on the U.S. Paralympic team in 2028. And um, what are some of the other goals that you have right now? So pre-COVID, I had been doing a lot of speaking engagements and things like that just on disability awareness, whether it be in athletics or otherwise. And that was something that was really cool, especially with younger kids because they're so innocent. That was almost more comfortable for me than when I was dealing with like higher education classes and adults because they could be a little bit more invasive and detailed in the questions that they ask rather than just like you go to elementary school the kids see that I surf and whatever and they think that's the coolest thing in the world the next time they see someone who uses a wheelchair they may not underestimate them whereas the adults or higher education students already have preconceived notions that doesn't happen with the younger like audience mm-hmm. that yeah makes sense. yeah no right sure no because the young kids just accept they only know what they know it's, it's right. as we get older we start having those preconceived ideas and, and uh, you're you already have opinions formed on things where like when I go to elementary schools, it that was the most rewarding for myself was dealing with those kids because they're so curious and they want to know, but they're not going to try to push a certain way. Everything is so innocent and just face value. Right, yeah. Kids just accept, you know, another kid because they they understand that that love, that 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 energy, that positive energy. Right. Yep. So how do they? How did the the surfing samurai? So what what does samurai mean for you? So when I'm surfing, my hair is t- I, for you guys that obviously can't see. I have pretty long hair, so it's tied up in a bun, much like what would resemble a samurai bun. But the reason that samurai came about is I don't really have any fear in the water because I'm more comfortable there than anybody else. So from just the way that my hair is in the water and the way that my mindset is, it just kind of stuck and it like 
there's plenty of people that know me that have no idea what my real name is. They only know the Surfing Samurai. And it's almost like Clark Kent and Superman, <laughs> Dylan Ronick and the Surfing Samurai. That's kind of the alter ego of myself. And that's cool too, because it's almost like you're like a mystical character. And obviously you hear Surfing Samurai and you're not going to forget it either. So it sticks in people's minds too. Yeah, no, that, that, that is correctly. And that's a, that's a crazy design that you have. And, and for those who don't know, Dylan's coming out with a t-shirt line. It's actually uh, in the process of being out. So check that out because it really, it's a sick looking screaming samurai and, you know, all proceeds go to Dylan and to support him and, and, and his, all the organizations that he does. So please just support Dylan as much as you can. And like I told you previously, the, the person who actually came up with that logo is Dr. Lee's brother, LJ. So like, that's another cool thing for me is I have all these different friends that support me in different ways. And it's cool that my logo was made by someone that I'm very close with and he knows how meaningful it is. And obviously there was some meaning for him because I basically said to him, I said, LJ, I need to come up with a logo. Whatever you got sounds good to me. And obviously you see, Dave, how cool it came out. Like, that's some of the coolest artwork I've ever seen. And it's special that the, how it came about is just having a friend do it and not a random artist or something that has no background with myself. As much as art on face value can be cool there's meaning and love behind it also yeah it, it is an amazing logo and the fact that you tell a story of of your friend and as you explained it it was kind of like a hero to you you know a mentor not maybe not hero yep. but you know the friendship that you and him that he built has you know brought extended your family to what it what it was right and like you see that logo too and even if you don't know what the surfing samurai is you're probably going to think it's a pretty cool shirt or hat whatever it's designed on and you may pick it up and look at it and then all you have to do is a quick google search to find out what it's about and then you do a little bit of research and other people might find it even cooler. So, like I said, all of these things are unexpected to this point. And it's been a really cool journey for myself because I never know what to expect next. And I'm just hoping that I'm able to make a difference in a lot of people's lives while sharing my story and just doing what I love. And I think that's what most people 
strive to do and they're not always able to but I'm hoping that all of those things come to fruition and just things keep going onward and upward. Well, that's it. Hard work makes the dream work, and, and really, and you're doing it. Uh, you know, I, I know there's lots of challenges that you're facing, but there's so much amazing. And think about all the the, the people that you are now. As we're coming out of COVID, uh, do you see your speaking opportunities having more opportunities? I'm, I'm sure. Uh, in the middle of COVID, you, you needed to protect yourself a lot more than, than others. I hope so. The thing with speaking that I find difficult is you kind of always have to have an in. Mm, yeah. And I don't always know how to approach those conversations or even when it comes to compensation and things like that. I'm very shy and uneasy about things like that and I just I want obviously I need to get some money in my pocket and I don't think it's always understood that this is what I do for money it's not just out of me wanting to spread a message obviously if I could do it out of the kindness of my heart if the financial situation was different, I would, but this is something that's rewarding and also could be a source of income. So I'm hoping that through things getting less and less crazy with COVID, more of those opportunities arise. And just, it also brings a bigger audience to things, which can only help the awareness of adaptive sports, which is near and dear to my heart and just stigmas associated with disabilities too being broken down. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's incredible. And I I was just thinking as you were talking, uh, I know sometime later this, uh, I think in May, they're having the special Olympics here in Farmingdale. Uh, We got to, I got to reach out to some people that I know and we'll, we'll, we'll see how and what, that might help you just even get your voice, get some more uh, opportunities, speaking opportunities, and, and how it might lead to support and uh, which will turn into financial opportunities. We'll, we'll... Sounds good to myself. Okay. All right. I, I, I know we usually keep the episodes about a half hour, so we're about, about a half hour. So is there anything that you would like to leave us with? Like I, I call them seeds of, of knowledge that maybe we plant and they grow. Is there anything you would like Before... to share? urge people to number one if you see something that you're you think you're going to be passionate about even if you think it's a pipe dream you you go out and you try it and you never know what you're capable of and then we want to make sure that everybody checks out surferall.org and you can search for me on the internet the surfing samurai and i want to Thank everybody for listening, and thank you, Dave, for your time. Oh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. You have a great story, and uh, you know, as you know, I want to try to support you as much as I can, and we'll figure this out. Uh, it's, it's a learning experience for, for everybody, and that's really what it's all about. I appreciate it. All right, and for everybody else, we always want to wish you peace and love no matter what you do. And when you need to take a swing of the bat, make sure it's finding your sweet spot in a way that's nonviolent 
and I hope you had a home run. I'm really glad that you're enjoying our show. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by David Chemetsky and George Andriopoulos. Music selections by James Grant, Zach Nelson, and James Gaither, and licensed through Storyblock. Sound effects and sponsorship music licensed through Epidemic Sound. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is hosted with Podbean. Subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with all of your friends. Follow us on Facebook at Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Follow me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. You can find all those links and more info at davidshemetsky.com. For show ideas, feedback, guest inquiries, or just to chat, reach out to me at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. For sponsorship and media inquiries, reach out to peacelovebringabat at lp516.com. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Today's journey has come to a close, my friends. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember that peace and love surrounds you and will assist you to rise again. But don't forget to bring it back for what you believe in. Namaste. Namaste.